Super Talk Mississippi media production. Running a business is tough. If you're struggling with HR benefits and payroll, you're not alone. Many businesses just don't have the resources to keep up. That's where MWG Employer Services comes in. We provide a full range of employer services with everything from payroll to benefits to HR services and compliance and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. We're a Mississippi-based company that can help you focus on what you do best, growing your business. Call MWG Employer Services today at 601-206-7966 or go to MWG Employer Services You're listening to Sports Talk Mississippi On Demand, presented by Pearl River Resort. Escape to Choctaw, Mississippi and enjoy world-class gaming, the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club, and Geyser Falls Water Park. Escape to Pearl River Resort. To the junction, in the grove, and to the top. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi. On your radio and in the game. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi with you on a Thursday afternoon. Streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV in the Pearl River Resort studios. Pearl River Resort, home of the sportsbook at the Golden Moon Casino. Love to hear from you. You can join us on the C Spire text line, 601-879-4395. Connect and protect. That's the newest plan from C Spire. And it gives you the ability to make sure that your kids are, well, they're kind of doing what they're supposed to do. The phone your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you. And it's only $30 a month with auto pay. You can learn more at cspire.com. Cspire, customer inspired. Alongside Michael Borky and Brian Haydad, I'm Richard Cross. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. A little bit of college football tonight. We've got some NFL tonight and then more college football tomorrow, high school football tomorrow. And then we roll into a full-fledged Saturday full of games, followed by a Sunday full of games. It's the most wonderful time of the year. Hello, gentlemen. It really is the most wonderful time of the year. Pretty darn good, isn't it? Yeah. And this, this is this is our Christmas. But we get a gift every weekend for 12 weekends. Ah, that's wonderful. Well, it's more than 12 weekends. Oh, Oh, yeah, right. Guess what happened last night? Mm-hmm. So I, I've only read about this in books. Ooh, ooh, Mr. Carter. What was what, happening? I, I learned about it in school. I wasn't sure if it was actually real. You know, sometimes you learn things in school like cursive, right? Like, oh, you're going to have to use cursive when you go to college. If I'd have written in cursive in college, a professor would have called me to their office and smacked me in the head with the blue book. So I thought that this was kind of a lie in school as well, but it turns out... Yeah, because your cursive wasn't legible? No, because they didn't want it. Because they wanted you to write in print like everybody else wants to. That was a lie. And I thought for a while that rain was just a phenomenon that existed, you know... Huh. Oh. And it rained last night. Water fell from the sky to the ground... And now I have to cut my grass this weekend. But I'm happy to do it because it rained for the first time in my neighborhood, in Madison, in 
months. And during those months, we had highs for two straight weeks of higher than 102. I talked to somebody earlier today, and he said, you're from here, right? And I said, yes, sir, live here. He goes, well, I live in southwest Mississippi. He's like, do you know how much cooler it is up here than it is where, where we are? I was yeah. like, well, we, we had a stretch that was pretty hot. I said, I think the difference is we've gotten some rain. And he said something like 72 days without rain uh, where he lived. And, and so, yeah, uh, congratulations on the rain. I'm sure your yard and your plants and, like, just your – like, generally speaking, we want sunshine and blue skies. But if all you ever get is sunshine and blue skies, you occasionally wish for like an overcast and rainy day. Buddy, I did work after it rained. So it, we're in that time of year where it's cold. Cold is a relative term. Cool in the morning. And so like I've been taking my coffee outside. And James and I, two days ago, ate breakfast outside. Like I was eating coffee and he was having his muffin and his banana outside. It was great. You were eating coffee? Did I say that? No. Well, you did. You know. Sorry. I mean, you know, Ed Orgeron eats coffee, so, you know. It's a very it, hate thing. You freeze it and make like a granita. Yeah, 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 people do that, Ed Orgeron, at least, if if he counts. But uh, Although he's only like half a human. But oh, after it rained. <laughs> I'm out. I'm leaving the show. Um, I took a towel. to. I've got um, chairs on the back porch. I don't know what the material is called. It's like recycled plastic, but it's really like weather hardy and really comfortable, and you can't ruin it. It's awesome. Um, dried off the chair and did show notes for like an hour and a half outside of my back porch after it rained. It was amazing. I forgot what it felt like to spend time outside. Ceasefire text line I was in the Navy stationed in San Diego, and one of the things I really missed was rain and thunderstorms. Man, there's nothing like a good, like, 5 a.m. thunderstorm where you wake up a little, like, it wakes you up a little bit, and then you slowly drift back to sleep with the light thunder and the rain. Oh, yeah. Magic right there. Yeah. Hey, Montgomery asked me not too long ago. She said, uh, hey, when's it going to rain again? I was like, you like a rainy day, don't you? She said she really did. My mom's been in, uh, in, like, the Dallas metro area for the last week and a half or so. Uh, my younger brother and his wife just had their, their second child, so she's been out there kind of helping out and hanging out. And, and she sent me a text message over the weekend. She was like, after however many straight days of 100-plus temperatures, it's like breezy and low 70s, and it even rained this morning. And it was like everybody was just doing a happy dance. So, I mean, you know, whatever whatever you don't have, you're thankful for when you get a little something else. Yeah. Just keep it away from Oxford and Starfield this weekend. I don't think it's in the forecast, but if it is, kindly leave. So an 11 a.m. kickoff for Mississippi State against LSU. I'm sure LSU's, although I don't know if they mind it on the road as much. They certainly hate the 11 a.m. kickoff at home. They just they rarely play 11 a.m. games, just rarely. Yeah. Because they don't play them at home, and then on the road, usually, I mean, it's LSU, so it's normally a big game that gets an ESPN or a CBS treatment. Yeah, and I, I guess ultimately that's the, the deal, right? I mean, they've just been good enough to people want to schedule them in more primetime slots, um, which is what ESPN considers the 11 a.m. time slot. So 11 a.m. kickoff in Starkville this Saturday. Hey, Dad, we were talking earlier today, uh, there are very limited tickets available at this point for this game, so Correct. expecting a really big crowd. What's the weather going to do on Saturday? High of 87, 
Low of 61, mostly sunny, very small chance of rain, and a slight breeze out of the northwest. That's really not too bad. I was, I had lunch today with, uh, with the other guys on the beat, and there's a new guy. He's, he covered Dartmouth last year to give you an idea of where he was living. And I was just telling him, I was like, this is so weird. Like, today especially, it feels like December almost. I mean, it's, it's that cool outside. And then, like, I mean, normally September the 16th, I would expect 95-plus and 80% humidity, and we would just swelter in the press box together. But it's going to be relatively pleasant. Yeah, not bad. What, probably be 80, upper 70s, low 80s at kickoff, and then it'll warm up to yeah. close to whatever the high temperature is for the day. Uh, in Oxford on Saturday, Ole Miss, Georgia Tech, 6.30 kickoff Saturday night. 85 is the high, generally sunny, winds out of the north at 5 to 10 miles an hour, so a little bit of a cool breeze. And that means at kickoff it's going to be what, 78, 77? It's going to kind of fall through the yeah. 70s during the game on Saturday night. And just like we were saying with Mississippi State a second ago, very few tickets remain for uh, for this Ole Miss-Georgia Tech game. They are expecting, if not a completely full stadium, very, very close to a uh, to a full stadium on Saturday night in Oxford. So that's going to look so good. I mean, one of the things I loved about the first weekend of the regular season, even with a slate of games that wasn't necessarily the sexiest that we've ever had. Like, you flipped around. I mean, the the Minnesota game against Nebraska on that Friday night. Packed to the gills. TCU was full when they hosted Colorado. Saw a bunch of stadiums that were really, really full. I haven't really had the opportunity yet for that in our two home stadiums, in Oxford and in Starkville. You're going to get that this weekend. It's going to look fantastic. And expecting a good crowd in Hattiesburg as well. We talked with Luke about that earlier in the week. Uh, and this is one where you would think that, that Southern Miss fans would show up. Really big game for the Golden Eagles, hosting Tulane on Saturday. Uh, it is it is Saturday night, isn't it? Isn't that right? I think it's a nighttime kickoff. Oh, goodness, I've forgotten, but I can I can get the answer to that. That's a 3 a o'clock kickoff. Oh, okay. All right, so 3 o'clock. 3 o'clock on ESPNU. For Tulane and Southern Miss, yeah, it needs a, to be a big crowd, man. It, it, it needs to be. I mean, we you know we hear it often uh, from Southern Miss fans that um, if you are what you tell us that you are, it should be a packed and insane environment on Saturday. I frankly, I, I feel bad. Will Hall's got to be sick of asking for crowds. He's got to be. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, the, the truth of it is the number of Southern Miss fans is probably smaller than what we talk about with Ole Miss and Mississippi State. There's no probably it but, is, but and that's okay. It's an incredibly passionate fan base, and football team needs them on Saturday. Because that's a is, – is that a tell-the-tale-of-the-season game for Southern Miss? It's a really good gauge. Is that is that overstating it? If you want to be competitive in the Sun Belt, I mean Tulane would be different conference, but they they would be among the top of the Sun Belt. If you yeah. think you are, you beat them at home, especially with a hobbled quarterback. Not expected to play. I mean, I think and now you've got all... film on the other guy. Yeah, exactly.
So after the Tulane game, it's a road trip to Arkansas State. That's a game that Southern Miss should win. And then Texas State and Old Dominion in back-to-back weeks at home. So if they can get one against Tulane, got a chance to uh, go on a little bit of a roll over the next couple of weeks. We'll be back. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll talk Mississippi on the Super Talk app, your local Super Talk station, and at supertalk.fm. Glad to be with you on Sports Talk Mississippi on this Thursday afternoon as we go to the Farm Bureau guest line for the first time today. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Andy Demetra is the radio play-by-play voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets and a guy that I've known for a long time. This just the sixth meeting ever between Ole Miss and Georgia Tech and the first time the two teams have ever played in Oxford. Andy, it won't be your first trip to Oxford but the first one for the uh, for the Jackets, a little crazy to think that Georgia Tech and Ole Miss were in the same conference, the SEC, for 30 years, and yet uh, never a game played in Oxford and only five previous meetings all time. Yeah, uh, Georgia Tech and Ole Miss were charter members of the SEC in 1933, so it only took 90 years, but yes, Georgia Tech finally gets its uh, road regular season matchup in Oxford. We're looking forward to it. Andy, always good to catch up with you, always good to hear from you. It it felt like when the change was made at head coach a year ago, something kind of clicked. This team, this Georgia Tech team a year ago, played really hard for Brent Key. He ultimately gets the opportunity to become the head coach, and things look different offensively, especially early this year. What's different in your mind from where things were at the beginning of the season when Ole Miss and Tech played last year to where they are right now? Oh, man, night and day. That that was an afternoon at Bobby Dodd that uh, a lot of Georgia Tech fans would like to forget. And any time that subject has been broached this week, uh, Georgia Tech players and coaches have been quick to, to dismiss it. They're not trying to deny what happened, but uh, they only want to look forward, not back. But I'll tell you what, give Brinke a lot of credit, because in eight weeks he clearly put his imprint and his identity on that Georgia Tech team. They played tough. They played disciplined. They kind of played in his image. And they go from one and three and looking really listless to finishing five and seven, but four and four under Brent Key and winning two games on the road against ranked opponents, which, whether it's front of mind or not, I think should give this Georgia Tech team a little bit of confidence heading into Vaughn Hemingway. Uh, they went on the road and beat a pit team that was ranked on a night uh, game in Pittsburgh last year. They did the same thing to. North Carolina, when the Tar Heels were 9-1 last year, that was also a night game at Chapel Hill, and I, I think that's a reflection of the way that Brent Key has the, the attitude centered in this Georgia Tech team. So uh, it's been fun to see that turnaround, and I'm excited to see the, the continued evolution of this program uh, under head coach Brent Key. Andy, is there a a learning how to win process that has to happen for a program that that has struggled for for a period of time, and and I hesitated to ask it that way because of what you just said a second ago, where there there are four wins uh, under Brent Key to close out the season a year ago, but finished just shy of bowl eligibility. But more about that Louisville game, right? It was there for the taking on that Friday night to open the season. That one kind of slipped away. They beat South Carolina State last week, but but in terms of going on the road, playing pretty good teams, do you have to learn how to win? Yeah, and you know what? Even in those wins they had with Brent last year, Georgia Tech wasn't you know letting leads slip away. So I, I can't say what we saw against Louisville had been a, a recurring theme since Brent took over. 
even since last year, Richard, he said, look, we, we have to stop thinking bad things are going to happen. We have to expect mm-hmm. to win. And that attitude really permeated the program. Uh, with the Louisville game, uh, they were unstoppable offensively. Georgia Tech was in the second quarter. They struggled gaining yardage on first down, and I think being behind the chains really hampered them offensively. And I gave up some, some chunk plays to Louisville, uh, missed some tackles that proved costly. But even then, in that second half versus Louisville, Georgia Tech missed a 32-yard field goal. They got strip-sacked inside the red zone. Louisville recovered. If both of those drives ended in field goals, the final score would have been 40-39 Tech instead of 39-34 Louisville. So while I agree that with teams that are adjusting to a new head coach, there is an element of truth and you have to learn how to win, but I think this team showed uh, it had a, a pretty quick learning curve under Brent Key in how to win it, how to close out games on the road. Uh, we saw that last year, and, and they'll certainly try to follow that same script on Saturday. Andy, talk to me a little bit about Haynes King. Uh, it's a name that most people recognize because he was highly sought out of, uh, sought after out of high school. It didn't work at Texas A&M, though you, you saw the, the, some injuries that were mixed in, and, and you saw some flashes he gets a fresh start, and boy, has it been a good start to the year. Yeah, he was part of that Texas A&M uh, liquidation sale on the transfer portal, was he not? <laughs> uh, but, you know, Haynes King has been a, a boon to this Georgia Tech offense. It was a competitive, well-contested quarterback competition in the preseason between him and, and Zach Pyron, who's a sophomore. But, golly, it's hard to argue with the decision to make him QB1. Seven touchdowns. Through the first two games, that lone interception was on the very first series of the first game. So he's had seven consecutive touchdown passes without a pick. And he hasn't done anything too spectacular, but he's done the things that they need of him. Uh, under the Georgia Tech's new offensive coordinator, Buster Faulkner, and I do love the fact that we're going to Oxford after 90 years, and who's our offensive coordinator? A guy named Faulkner. So hmm. I, I enjoy that little tidbit, uh, that subplot that we bring into Saturday. Uh, however, with Haynes King, uh, he, he knows how to make all the right throws. He, he, he's risk-averse as a quarterback, but in a good way. I think he's got some agility that people may underestimate in him. He's, he's a long strider, so he can break off scramble and get some yards. And, you know, I, I think his experience starting in road SEC environments will really benefit him on Saturday. Let's not forget he came within a cat's breath of beating Alabama and Tuscaloosa a couple of years ago with Texas A&M. So uh, I, I don't think his knees will be quivering uh, at Vaughn Hemingway Stadium. And, and you hope from Georgia Tech's standpoint that uh, that kind of poise and composure will rub off on the rest of his teammates. But he's been conducting this offense well, getting the ball out quickly, getting it to the spots where it needs to go. And uh, Georgia Tech has uh, had an impro- promising, uh, albeit limited, sample size of offense so far under Haynes King. Well, the, another kind of crazy little nugget with Haynes King, he's never faced Ole Miss. Uh, I mean, he is, obviously was on teams at, at Texas A&M that did, but he never played in a game against uh, against Ole Miss. So we'll, we'll see how that shakes out. He's got another year after this year, right? Or is it two more? Yeah, uh, Richard sophomore, so he, he could have three years potentially. Wow. Yeah. It's so it's almost impossible to figure out, you know, unless you really go year by year. It's like, okay, how much eligibility is left? So – uh, that's a big deal, though, right? I mean, once he wins the job, and, you know, everybody has dreams of the NFL, but if you don't do that right away, to look at the potential for stability at that position over an extended period of time. Yeah, and I think that was one of the reasons they were attracted to him in the transfer portal. 
is no one they could theoretically have him for three years. Uh, now, he's this is his fourth year in college football. They only list him as the redshirt sophomore because if you look at Georgia Tech's rosters, they don't count the COVID year towards anybody's eligibility. Okay. But, yeah, he arrived at Texas A&M in 2019, so he's got a lot of football still ahead of him, but he's also played a lot of football already. So it's almost the best of two worlds uh, with Haynes King. Andy, when you look at the matchup between uh, between Georgia Tech and Ole Miss, what stands out to you as kind of a key for this game? Uh, prevent Quinchon Judkins from gaining 300 yards. Though so I think that's that's pretty consistent with anybody who tries to stop him. Uh, look, I, I think Georgia Tech has had a little bit of unevenness in their tackling the first two games. I talked with Brent Key for our, our coaches' radio show earlier today, and for two games, Georgia Tech still does not have a sack. And they have only had four tackles for loss. And I asked Brent, does that concern you, or do you take that in context because of the schemes that your defense has faced? He goes, no, I'm very concerned. So I think for Georgia Tech, a big key is to try to find those negative disruptive plays, which haven't really materialized so far. I think that Georgia Tech offensively, they have to be efficient converting on third downs. Uh, they've converted 52% on third downs, which is an encouraging start, but we also know Pete Golding's defense. They love to pin their ears back and get after the quarterback, uh, you know, especially in, in predictable down-distance situations. So they'll, they'll need to execute well in, in those third and medium, third and manageable situations to extend drives, to sit on clock, prevent Ole Miss from going at that warp speed. And then defensively, I think they got to limit the explosives and they got to find some of those TFLs that have, have kind of been a little hit or miss for them through these first two games. Andy, last thing, only about a minute left. Um, you, you've, I mean, Vegas obviously has an opinion on the game. They've got Ole Miss as a, a big favorite. Does that surprise you at all that, that it's as big as it is, almost three touchdowns? You know, I, I try not to, to get too much into the thinking and rationale behind those lines, but, look, uh, Ole Miss beat Georgia Tech 42-zip last year. They're playing at home. They're ranked team. So I get it to a certain extent, but – Again, I would add the caveat that this Georgia Tech team was a pretty uh, heavy underdog when they went to Chapel Hill last year yeah. against a North Carolina team that had Drake May, that was ranked number 12, and they were down 17 nothing. but they came back to win that sucker 21-17. Frank Key's first game as interim head coach, which was five days after Jeff Collins was let go, was against a ranked Pittsburgh team at Acrosur Stadium. They go out. They win that game. So he's shown some ability to have moxie uh, and really rally the troops, circle the wagons with his team when they're on the road as an underdog in a night environment. So we'll see if that might uh, change things come Saturday night. So, you know, I'll let you take with that information what you will. But uh, Brent has shown that uh, they're a pretty tough team to contend with on the road. 6.30 kickoff on Hemingway Stadium Saturday night. Andy, always good to catch up. Thanks so much for the time this afternoon. Oh, no problem. Happy to do it anytime. It's Andy Demetra. He's the voice of the Georgia Tech Yellow Jackets joining us on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We're back right after this. The best, the best. sports talk in the state. It's the best thing. Say that again. We the best on three. One, two, three. We the best. Sports talk, Mississippi. Super talk, Mississippi.
Yes, it is. Hopefully not here, but yes, it is. Glad to be with you. Sports Talk Mississippi in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Good conversation with Andy Demetra from the Georgia Tech Radio Network. He is their play-by-play voice. Joined us on the Farm Bureau guest line, as all guests do. Check them out online at favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. What does that mean when we say go with the home team? It means you're dealing with an agent who lives where... You do, right? There, there are Farm Bureau agents in all 82 counties in Mississippi. There's a really good chance that it's somebody that you already know, that you bump into at the grocery store, you go to church with, or you see at the ball fields, or yeah, you're in some sort of a social club with. That's just they're part of the community, and they'll do their best to help you in whatever it is that you need when it comes to your insurance. That's why we say the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Anything stand out in the uh, in the conversation that we had with Andy just a second ago? I we obviously have talked, and, and when we were previewing previewing Georgia Tech about the fact that they won that game in North Carolina a year ago, it's like how did that happen? We we saw that Georgia Tech team early. They won at Pittsburgh, they won at North Carolina, and it didn't make a lick of sense. Which kind of makes you think three touchdowns is a big number for this game. A little. I, I do think three touchdowns is a big number for this game. I mean, I think Ole Miss can still win and win relatively big. But, I mean, at the end of the day, if I tell you the final score is like 38-21 or, or 45-28, something like that, I mean, that covers. Georgia Tech covers that spread, but it's still a big win and it looks good on paper. So it's one of those two things can be true at the same time. Ole Miss can win this game in impressive fashion but not cover 20 points. And Ole Miss is going to have to guard against a letdown. Uh, we know how important Alabama is to Lane Kiffin. Well, losing to Alabama uh, clearly takes a lot out of him, uh, as we've seen. And uh, these are human. They're they're eighteen to twenty two year old. Well, I guess with the COVID year, they're eighteen to twenty seven year old uh, <laughs> human beings. You're talking about state now. Yeah, and they know who's next. They know they're better than Georgia Tech, but they know who's next. And But it's a bad recipe for Georgia Tech, though, with an Ole Miss team that is going to want to emphasize running the football this weekend. And at least through two weeks, Georgia Tech is not good at stopping that. Yeah. So that that's Coach Key's probably not really thrilled with, frankly, he's probably not thrilled with how Ole Miss played last week on the ground. Because he knows that they're going to scheme up and try to get successful on the ground for a multitude of reasons. And his team that's not very good at stopping it is in the way. Not ideal. So, so Georgia Tech last year opened on Labor Day night against Clemson. They got popped pretty good. 41-10. to 10, Lost that game. Competitive for a little while, then it kind of got out of hand. And then they beat Western Carolina. And you didn't know exactly what you were going to see. And... It was as dominant a performance 
as you could find on both sides of the ball. Ole Miss won it 42 to nothing. And then the next week, when Georgia Tech lost on the road at UCF, the folks at Tech said, nah, that's enough. And they made a change. And you heard Andy say a second ago, five days after he was named interim head coach, Brent Key took Georgia Tech on the road, and they beat a pretty good Pittsburgh Panthers team. They were ranked in the top 25, beat them 26-21. The week after that, they beat a Duke team that won nine games last year? Didn't Duke finish 9-4 and four last year? I'm pretty sure that was... The, uh, the Blue, that's right, yeah. Yeah, yeah they, they were 8-4 and four in the regular season and won their bowl game to finish 9-4. and four. One of those four losses was in overtime to a pretty bad Georgia Tech team. Georgia Tech would have loved to redo against Virginia. It was not a very good Virginia team, better than this year's team. They still had Brendan Armstrong, lost that one by a touchdown. Got popped pretty good by Florida State, won on the road at Virginia Tech. And then on November 19th, they went to North Carolina, who was number 13 in the country, and beat them 21-17. to Now, all of that obviously is a year ago, and it's a different year, and it's a different quarterback. You know, Jeff Sims is now somebody else's issue, and Haynes King's played really, really well so far this year. The, the numbers for Haynes King, he is sixth nationally in touchdown passes, 12th in passing yards per game, 12th in total offense, 15th in passing efficiency. He's 40 of 61 for 603 yards with seven touchdowns and an interception. So I, I would ask you this based on what you've seen from Ole Miss for two weeks. I, I think we all believe that, that Ole Miss is going to try to run the football. I don't think that means they're going to run it exclusively. But, it, but if Ole Miss runs 70 plays in that game, would it shock you if they ran it 40, 45 times with 25 no. pass attempts? Uh, of course, depending on success. Trying to copy Mississippi State? What yeah. the heck? You know, game flow and success of it are, are you know, dictate that, of course. If sure, they're not having sure. success, then they're going to have to go throw and win the game. But yeah, I, I think so. I, I really expect, and, and hearing Kiffin talk this week, I expect them to try to right some wrongs uh, in both correcting what they already do and, and possibly working on things that they're going to use moving forward. Uh, to possibly alleviate some struggles up front. So, uh, yeah, they're, they're, regardless of how it comes, Quinjon Judkins needs the football more. They used him in the passing game a little bit last Saturday. Use him more. Get him the ball in space, that kind of stuff. I, I expect a healthy dose of that guy. And if they ran it 45 times on Saturday night, I would not even come close to being surprised. If, they, if Ole Miss runs the ball 45 times against Georgia Tech on Saturday night, it will be 17 fewer rush attempts than they had against Georgia Tech a year ago. Wow. Ole Miss ran yeah. 81 plays, 62 rush attempts, and three quarterbacks that went a combined 12 of 19 through the air. 62 rush attempts uh, for 316 yards, an average of five yards per carry, with six touchdowns on the ground. And a lot of that is Ole Miss was dominating the game so much they were just running yeah, the football, sure. trying to run out the clock, sure. and and not that wasn't so much the flow of the offense. This could be a situation where Georgia Tech's in the game, but Ole, but Ole Miss wants to run the football because that's what they're best at. You know, we 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 have I feel like we have to make that disclaimer so many times with Ole Miss is like this is the best running team in in the SEC the last three years in a row, yeah. and yet I, I don't I, and people just never seem to under to grasp that. 
So, so the question that ultimately I was trying to get to, I, it was a winding way to get there. Based on what you've seen from Ole Miss on the defensive side through the first two games, what do you expect Georgia Tech's game plan to be? Ooh. Interesting question. Ole Miss did blow a couple of assignments. Uh, you had a safety. So Tulane's first possession of the game, whether you want to call it a bad angle or whatever, safety missed an assignment, led to that long, was a little post over the middle, long play there. There was another, uh, the, the touchdown, the long touchdown pass down the, the right side of the field where Ole Miss had a defensive back. Um, he was in position, just did not make a play. I, I wonder if they're going to try to to hit home runs in the same way Tulane did, and uh, and test that secondary. But as that game went on, Ole Miss made some personnel adjustments, it seemed, and and kind of locked things down. But that's kind of where I would go. Is, is see if you can't get them out of position a couple of times again, like Tulane did, hit some home runs, and and then. Change the complexion of the game. Hey, Dan. Well, if, if I'm Ole Miss or if I'm Georgia Tech in this game, and I, you know, I watched the Tulane film and I saw how Tulane was able to have some some success offensively running the football, I think I, I definitely want to go that route first. Haynes King has some mobility, so I'm, I'm going to try to you know give him some options there in, in the game, rolling him out. But I, I think by and large. With this Ole Miss defense, I still think they're untested. I still don't really know what to make of them, but they can make they make you pay for mistakes. Mm-hmm. And they they they'll they'll, they'll the, I think about that last play or the last score of the uh, the game in the two lane game. So you got to be sort of careful in what you do here. Uh, you want to be aggressive, but I don't think you can be reckless if you're Georgia Tech. I think that's fair. And, and for Ole Miss, it's been a it's been a bit, little bit of a mix, right? In the opener against Mercer, they give up the seventy five yard run on the first offensive play of the game, and then what was it, fourteen rushing yards the the rest of the way? So any success that Mercer had throughout the game after that was was through the air. Tulane was okay, right? I mean, they, they ran the football okay, early the well, ball, and then okay averaged two point five per carry. Adjustments to me have been the biggest thing that have stood out so far. Through, through two games with Pete Golding, missed assignment based on what they were doing on that big run, and then halftime adjustments against Tulane. Did you see what one college football coach did today that might be the stupidest thing he could have done? Tell you about it next. Sports Talk Mississippi. No, we won't. Sports Talk Mississippi. Oh, my God. What is going on here? Your new home for exclusive sports coverage here in the Magnolia State. It's about time. Right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Sports Talk Mississippi. Thanks for being with us. Unlike Brian Hayden, I know that we can do more than one thing. In, uh, in like a six-minute window of the show. He was convinced that I'd forgotten that I had once again just messed up his order. Brian Haydad, if you know nothing else about him, you know by now that he is a planner. If he's going to cook on Sunday, he's already decided what he's going to do, and he might have already been to the grocery store. He's put together the list. He knows when he's going to cook. He knows when he's going to eat. He knows how long it's going to take. It needs to happen on schedule. 
I'm not as regimented, perhaps, sometimes, as Mr. Haydad is. But I didn't forget. Because he, Brian Haydad, wants to give you, the listeners of Sports Talk Mississippi, a chance to win. The microphone is yours, sir. All right. So I've got four tickets to give away. Hey! Mississippi State LSU. So here's here's the first thing I'm going to say is these are digital tickets. So if you're a, I got to meet you and hand you the, t- it's not going to happen. So if we can't do digital tickets, don't 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 participate. We're going to do a trivia question. Hey, if you get first person that gets it right, you're you're the winner. So ceasefire text line nineteen nine ceasefire text line six zero one eight seven nine four three nine five nineteen ninety Mississippi State beats LSU. 34 to 22 in Jackson in Memorial Stadium. That game is very special to me because it is the first time my dad and I ever saw Mississippi State win a football game live. We had a terrible record when I was a child. State probably tried to keep us away from the game. In that game, a Bulldog running back went for 100 yards. In that game, a Mississippi State defensive back had a pick six for a touchdown. Who were those two players? The running back and the defensive back. Name the running back that went for over 100 and the defensive player that had a pick six in Mississippi State's 1990 win over LSU in Jackson, 601-879-4395. First correct answer, Ryan Haydad is going to digitally share with you four tickets to, uh, to the game on Saturday. Digitally. Digitally. We will uh, we'll tell you the winner when we start the four o'clock hour coming up in uh, in just a bit. You guys know who Jay Norvell is? I do now. Did you before today? Actually, I did. I was familiar with who he was. Yeah, I'll be honest. I didn't know he was at. I didn't know he was at where he is. I thought he was still at Nevada. Jay Norvell is now the head coach at Colorado State. And on his radio show last night, he was telling the play-by-play announcer that hosts the show uh, about some of the coverage of Colorado leading into this game. And his guys are are tired of it. And he said, uh, took a little bit of shot at, uh, at Deion Sanders, Coach Prime. He said on his radio show, I sat down with ESPN today. Well, I've got the audio if you'd prefer that. Oh, hold on. Oh. I'm, I'm going to give you the quote from this, and we're going to let you hear the audio response from Coach Prime. I sat down with the. Uh, you want to do the audio of that? Of both of them? Yeah. All right. Let, let's hear from Jay Norvell first. This was on his coach's show. And I sat down with the ESPN today, and I don't care if they hear it in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off, and I said, when I talk to grown ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. So, and I sat down with All right. Fans liked it. First of two things. Uh, okay, that's fans. I was about to say, if that was media, I was going to add. We have a winner. I'll get the, uh, the information in just a second, though. But we yeah, have a well, winner. We'll give you the, the winner information coming up to uh, to start the 4 o'clock hour. All right, so that was Joe, Jay Norvell. When I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. Tepid applause. You knew Coach Prime was going to respond. Here he was with his team at practice earlier today. Beautiful day, ain't it? Yes, sir. I'm out of my own business watching some film, trying to get ready. 
trying to get out of here and be the best coach I could be. And I look up and I read some bull junk that they have said about us. Talk to us. Once again. Uh, talk to us. Why would you want to talk about us when we don't talk about nobody? All we do is go out here, work our butts up, and do our job on Saturday. But when they give us ammunition, they unmatched round and made it what? It was just gonna be a good game. They unmatched round and made it personal. It was gonna be a great test, a battle of Colorado, but they unmatched round and made it personal. I'm not sure that you need to give Colorado more motivation. They've done it. It's happened three times in a row, and Deion Sanders is looking for that edge, that thing each week. Against TCU, it was there was a coach on staff at TCU that ignored Shadur Sanders at a quarterback camp. He turned that into a thing with their team. Made it personal. Last week, it was some comments that Nebraska had made in the offseason leading up to the game. And they had this big deal with their team about making it personal. I don't know that Colorado really needed an edge against Colorado State. But they got one now. Whoop. Got a spin zone on this, though. Okay. We'll hear Michael Borky's spin zone. Get your reactions. And uh, we'll tell you who won those tickets when we come back for the 4 o'clock hour on Sports Talk Mississippi. is Sports Talk Mississippi right here on supertalk.fm the Supertalk Mississippi app and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station Coming up in half an hour, we will visit with Wilson Alexander, who covers LSU. We'll talk uh, with him about these LSU Tigers as they head to Starkville on Saturday for the SEC opener for both LSU and Mississippi State. This is Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort studio. Pearl River Resort is the home of the Dancing Rabbit Golf Club. You can make a tea time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Fall golf is the best. Porky was talking about it earlier today. Or I guess it was Hayda that was saying, you know, it's nice outside today, kind of overcast, a little breezy. Oh, it's the time of the year to be on the golf course, and Dancing Rabbit Golf's got you covered. Two 18-hole championship courses, the Oaks and the Azaleas. Book your tee time online at dancingrabbitgolf.com. Learn more at pearlriverresort.com. Ceasefire text line is open, 601-879-4395. Give your business the edge with gigabit fiber internet from Seaspire Business. Learn more at cspire.com slash business. Brian, hey, Dad. Do we have a winner? Yes, we do. Taylor Ellsley is our winner, and he'll be headed to uh, Starkville this weekend. I didn't ask. I should have checked. Make sure he wasn't an LSU fan, but oh well. He's headed to Starkville for this game. Uh, so congrats, Taylor. Appreciate you uh, jumping in with us today, and uh, have fun at the game. And you've already sent him the tickets, haven't you? I have, I have. The answer to the question, the running back was Tay Galloway. Well, I'll repeat and the, the question. We've back... got new people. There are people oh, who don't know what they're answering. <laughs> 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 
Not everybody was on your <laughs> schedule. You should listen to the whole show. That's what I. That's, that's my lesson I would teach you. But my question was: 1990, Mississippi State defeats LSU in Jackson, 34-22. The Bulldogs had a running back over 100 yards in that game, and they had a defensive back with a pick six in that game. Who were those players? The running back is Tay Galloway, and the defensive back is Albert Williams. Very good. Kelso in Ocean Springs says, "Why couldn't you ask some meteorology trivia?" Ah, Kelso, it's a long is a, uh, drive. It's a long drive from Ocean Springs to Starkville. You wouldn't have wanted to get, do that anyway. Buddy of mine is a professor of meteorology here at Mississippi State, so I, I could have I could have hit him up. You could have. You could have. Yeah. All right. Before the break, we played you the audio from Jay Norvell, the head coach at Colorado State, uh, and then the response from Deion Sanders, Coach Prime, to uh, to what Norvell said. If you missed it just a second ago. Uh, on his weekly radio show last night, he referenced an interview that he had had with ESPN. He says, I don't care if they hear this in Boulder. I told them I took my hat off and I took my glasses off. I said, when I talk to grown-ups, I take my hat and my glasses off. That's what my mother taught me. Now, there is a little more context to what Jay Norvell said. As part of this conversation on his radio show, he says um, about his players that did on-camera interviews, it was great, I loved it. But our kids came out of those interviews really with a chip on their shoulder. They're tired of all that stuff. They really are tired of it. They, Colorado, are not going to like us no matter what we say or do. It doesn't matter. So let's just go up there and play. That's just how I feel about it. And then he had one other thing that he added about Deion Sanders. He said, Deion Sanders has had a lot of public critics. I'm not one of them. I really respect all head coaches and the sacrifices they've made, uh, the uh, the sacrifices they've had to make to become head coaches, and I appreciate the path they have to go through to get there, especially African-American coaches. I was happy to see Dion, uh, Dion get his opportunity. I had to wait a long time to get mine. Which actually was a little jab right there at the end, just, just one more little jab. But Michael Borky, in I think about the response from Colorado and Dion, says he thinks there's a little spin zone here. Explain. Uh, don't or shouldn't we want this? Oh, what an idiot this guy is. He's so stupid. How dumb is he? Number one, bulletin board material is dumb. It's not like Colorado's going to try hard now and they wouldn't have before. Because Jay Norvell said what he said. But everybody is just kind of bending the knee to Deion Sanders. He, he points out a guy in a press conference after their first win who didn't write anything about not believing in Deion Sanders. And then the Athletic writes a column afterwards. It doesn't matter if Deion called out a reporter that was negative or not. He did it for show. And it's, okay, but you shouldn't treat a reporter that didn't actually write anything negative about you. As if they did. It's kind of not cool. Because... Wasn't the reporter that he took a shot at in that press conference Ed Werder? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It was Ed Werder. Who who he knew from his time with the Cowboys, and it was almost almost like a setup, almost too easy. Like, Dion knew he could get away with that, and Ed Werder wouldn't take offense to it, and so he did it, to your point, for show. 
for, that, that was for show. Warder didn't write anything about not believing. And a real reporter is not going to go, yeah, coach, I believe in you now, let's go. That's not what real reporters do. Putting, it, putting him in that spot was, you, you could call it bullying if you'd like. It's certainly not what you should do. And then he does this thing with Matt Rule after they beat Nebraska, and Matt Rule didn't do anything disrespectful to them. He didn't. Maybe he didn't pay enough attention to Shador to camp a few years ago. That's not disrespectful. Stop. So if you're going to manufacture all of this drama, it's about time somebody pushes back and says, I'll give you something real. I don't like the way you act. And look, if his team loses on Saturday, it's not going to be because Jay Norville said, I don't like the way you act. It's because his team's not as good as Dion's. But, and I like Deion Sanders. I think this stuff is, is good. It's entertaining. It's interesting. He is successful. He's all of that. But sometimes bullies need to get bullied back, man. Sometimes people need to, and, and look, the Pac-12 is, is actually a really good conference this year. Losing is coming for Colorado. And we have yet to see Deion Sanders lose. He, he hadn't lost yet. He lost a game or two at Jackson State. But he didn't, losses didn't pile up. And buddy, he's got Oregon and Washington. He's got the Pac-12 coming. Seven ranked teams in the Pac-12 besides his own. Losses are going to start piling up. I like that people are pushing back on it a little bit. Adds to the spice. But... Not everybody needs to bend the knee and just take it. I completely agree. Yeah, I mean, you know who was most excited about this? Every radio show slash TV sportscast slash website slash blog slash Elon. Because... Colorado and Deion Sanders right now, it may not last forever, get views. People are drawn to anything and everything Colorado, and they're drawn in two ways. They're people who are eating up every word, maybe drawn in three ways. People who are eating up every word. If it comes out of Coach Prime's mouth, I'm in. They're people who are absolutely sick of it. But you know what? They still consume the content. And then there are people, and I think I kind of fall into this category, that are just intrigued slash amused by the entire thing. I think I told you guys, I went through a, I went down a YouTube rabbit hole the other night, and I watched like four or five different interviews that Deion Sanders has done, like the one he did with Pat McAfee, and a couple of the things that they've produced internally with you know his son that does all the media stuff and whatever. I'm just intrigued by the whole thing. It, it's a case study in being interesting and doing something different, presenting yourself in a way that really hasn't been presented in a long time in college football. And hey, Dad, the irony in this is that he was a Seminole, not a hurricane, and yet the flashiness with which Colorado is being presented to the world is more comparable to the flashiness of Miami in the late 80s and early 90s than Florida State. 
Yeah, you're not wrong. I mean, and but Florida State at that time, you know, they had they had some trash talkers on top. I mean, they did. they've had yeah, a they ton did. of great cornerbacks and all those guys could talk. But but you're right. We we, we had somebody asked us this question the other day, didn't they? About it, isn't it sort of similar to what the rise of Miami? I will say this for for Dion, he's right in that Norvell Norvell just brought him up, it, it, and 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 he didn't say anything to 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 elicit that response. It's kind of like the thing that happened with Kirby Smart the other day where some South Carolina player at Media Days was asked about intimidating environments, didn't mention Sanford Stadium. So Kirby comes out and says, oh, well, he's disrespecting us. I hope our fans are ready for that. He didn't mention you. But you get in there, buddy. You make it about you, I guess. So, I mean, I I sort of feel for Dion, but at the same time, this is an every week occurrence at this point. It is. And Borky said bulletin board material doesn't matter, and largely I agree but Dion has the young men that are on his football team buying into every single word that comes out of his mouth. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll be right back. Sports Talk Mississippi, covering your Mississippi teams with live reports from the games and practices, plus exclusive interviews with coaches, players, and legends from the past. Sports Talk Mississippi on Super Talk Mississippi. LSU. LSU, who lost its season opener on Sunday night before Labor Day, 45-24. So a three-score loss, basically in a road game. And then beat Grambling 72-10 last week. Jaden Daniels has thrown six touchdown passes through two games with one interception. Brian Thomas Jr. is the leading receiver for LSU. 13 catches, three touchdowns so far this year. They figured it out. Who is their running back? Is it Logan Diggs? Is it Josh Williams? Is it Caleb Jackson? Who, who is the running back for LSU? And they're ex- they're expecting John Emery back this weekend, if he okay. can finally get something going with his career. Oh, naturally. Yeah, right, just on time. Hey, that is a good question, though, and... Uh, Look, they're supremely talented. There's no doubt about it. I mean, what they present in the front six, anyway, defensively, is far different than what Arizona did. Now, Florida State exposed their secondary some, but it's fair to ask how much of that was Florida State having elite personnel, or is it LSU being bad? Who knows? I wonder if... This is a kind of a dumb thing to say without being in the locker room, but... You think something culturally is off there? Mm. Well, I don't know. I don't because that team I don't think laid, so off the top of my head. But, but they had that brawl in the preseason. Had the so brawl in the preseason, and in their first game, buddy, they laid down and quit. They quit in that game. They got stomped, but they, they stopped trying to get up. Like in the third quarter of that game, they quit, and their best player was pouting. 
and acting like he would rather be anywhere else in the world. And beating up on Grambling doesn't change those visuals. And we're not in the locker room, maybe it's fine, but what we've seen is a football team that absolutely quit long before a game was over. Yeah. I mean, I mentioned that after after that Florida State game. And, you know, was Grambling just what they needed, or was that just the, that was just who was next, and it happened to be a, a swag opponent, and, you know, the, the talent differential is so vast that that result was inevitable. Hey, Dad, you, you've talked to Jacob Hester and T. Bob Bear this week, and, and you can hear those interviews on the Thunder and Lightning podcast. Do do you get the sense in talking to those guys that there is a true understanding of who LSU is? No. No, they have as much confusion in some areas as Mississippi State fans do about what this their team actually is. Um, you know, defensively, this team has not been good thus far. And, and what Borky said is accurate. They have... Big time talent there on that defense, but they are not playing to that level. Offensively, and I've said this a few times now, but you know, outside of neighbors, where are their stars? This is LSU. I mean, how many you know wide receivers and running backs have they put in the NFL over the last decade? But they don't have they don't have guys like that. You you just mentioned all of those running backs. I mean, if a, a diehard college football fan would be hard pressed to tell you anything about those guys. Yeah. You know, Emory was a highly rated kid coming out of high school, but he's done nothing at, at LSU. And, and none of those guys are, are Leonard Fournette or, or Jeremy Hill or, or anybody like that. So, Well, recently, Clyde Edwards. You know, they, they, yeah, yeah. So, I mean, they put a lot onto Daniel's shoulders now. He, he's a good player, and he's, he, his ability to extend plays outside of the pocket, his ability to run, that, that's a big piece for them. It was a huge piece last year in the game against Mississippi State. Um, and you see how Delora played last week against uh, Mississippi State. That, that's a worry. That's a concern for, for me looking at this game coming up. But as far as what LSU is, I feel like they're trying to find themselves the same way Mississippi State is. Have they got more of an identity on the offensive side or the defensive side? I'd say offensively because there it's it's it starts with their quarterback and and they are at least trying to play to their quarterback's strengths I think defensively I mean until they figure out what they want to do with Harold Perkins and they're going to put him in a position and leave him there and let him do what he does best they're they're trying to figure things out there So I think I've got it right here Harold Perkins last week Against Grambling, and not, I mean, yes, it's Grambling. Okay, that 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 makes a difference. Harold Perkins had one tackle and one pass breakup. Mm-hmm. Now I don't know how many snaps he played, and if you go back to that that first game against uh, against Florida State, and you look at his numbers from that game, I mean, it was like. You're playing Where's Waldo? It was like, where where's Harold Perkins? Yeah. You, you couldn't find him. He he finished with five tackles. And that's it. No sacks, no quarterback hurries, no pass breakups, no forced fumbles. He just had five tackles. So Harold Perkins, who 
Did we talk pre preseason defensive player of the year? I don't even know that they give that award, but if they did, I think isn't that the guy that all three of us would have voted for? Yeah. Yes. He's got six tackles through two games. But they they did say, for what it's worth, that they wouldn't put him in those positions again. And trying to read stats into to Grambling's a little... Just like the people that, that have said, well, why didn't Centurion Perkins play against Tulane? He led the team in tackles last week. Well, it was Mercer. Uh, you don't use your personnel the same. So maybe they were disguising some things. Who knows? But even with that being what it is... Mississippi State struggled to move the football against Arizona. And I know they were conservative, possibly by design, but how many of Arizona's players would start on this LSU defense? The, the, All right, hold on. Ask, oh. that, ask that question How again. many of Arizona's starting 11 on defense would also start at LSU? Oh. None. I'll just be honest. So it, as much as we want to talk about Harold Perkins and, and his availability, I'm still laser focused on Mississippi State and how they adjust to the struggles of last week to put the ball in the end zone. So kind of a tough night offensively. What you're saying against Arizona, and yet they're going to face a better defense. A better this defense. Week, and your question, wondering where the offense yeah. is going to come from. Mm-hmm. And, and, and if they can. Face a better, and the other side of that is they're going to face a better offense and a better running quarterback than they faced last week. And they struggled in those those things. So Different and, type quarterback? And, I, I mean, I don't yeah. think you can just make them exactly the same. And, and by the way, I no, said not. Ago, six touchdown passes for, for Daniels. Five of those came against Grambling. He had one against Florida yeah. State. Del- Delora's... Delora's a runner in terms of trying to keep plays alive in the pocket for the most part. He'll take off when he has to. Daniels is looking to run a lot of the times. He, you know, he's he's just he's he's out of there. You know, and then and, and that works. It works for their offense. So the other issue is, is what we've been talking about this week is that we have to see a completely different Mississippi State team offensively than what we saw last week. Because everything else we've talked about is is meaningless if State comes out there and just tries to run the same kind of offensive game plan that they ran against Arizona. And, and hey, Dad, you know, you know what we haven't – I don't think we've touched on this week. Okay, it's got to be a different offensive game plan. Well, what if that doesn't work? Right, what, what if what if Kevin Barbet was calling last week what he thought was going to work well, and you're like, well, we, we've got to push it down the field against LSU. Well, what if there's not time for Will Rogers to sit back there because that ridiculously talented defensive line is getting pressure? I mean, I, I just I feel like it. it. Well, just, just kind of wrapping that thought up, I, I feel like everybody's been like, I mean, Mississippi State's just got to do something different offensively. Like that's just a magic elixir. It's a silver bullet. It's going to like okay if they call the game differently against LSU, everything's going to be all right. Not necessarily so. Yeah, LSU could definitely snuff them out, but at the same time. At least you felt like you were trying at that point. If you just go out there and run the ball 35, 40 times into the teeth of this LSU defense, you only let Will, Will Rogers throw the ball 15, 20 times. I don't feel like you're trying at that point. Mm. That's fair. Talk a little bit more about LSU with Wilson Alexander covers the Tigers for the Advocate, right? Is that right? Yeah. Wilson's mm-hmm. with the Advocate. 
and he will join us coming up in uh, just a few minutes on the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. We'll take a quick time out. More Sports Talk Mississippi with you right after this. Mississippi, covering your Mississippi team with live reports from games and practices, plus exclusive interviews. Weekday afternoons starting at 3 on supertalk.fm, the Supertalk Mississippi app, and always live on your local Supertalk Mississippi radio station. Sports Talk Mississippi streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Let's go back to the Farm Bureau guest line. Check out favorites.com and go with the home team, Mississippi Farm Bureau. Wilson Alexander covers LSU for the advocate in Baton Rouge. Kind to spend a few minutes. Wilson, always good to catch up. Let's, let's just jump right in. Where's Harold Perkins? We were talking about this just a second ago, and, and I know there's not a preseason defensive player of the year award that's given out, but we just took a little straw poll among ourselves, and all three of us said if that award existed at SEC Media Days, all three of us would have voted for Harold Perkins. He's got three tack- or six tackles through two games. Harold is starting to play a new position. Um, so this is something that's, you know, over the course of the offseason, he was learning how to play inside linebacker. That's not what he did as a freshman. He was... Uh, very much a C-ball, get-ball player, go attack the quarterback. Uh, he was a spy. He was extremely effective at that or coming off the edge as a pass rusher. And LSU wanted to make sure that he wasn't sort of overloaded in terms of his responsibilities too early in his career. Uh, they started moving him inside this preseason because, or excuse me, this spring because, uh, for a few different reasons. One, to increase his versatility. Two, that might be the position that he ends up playing in the NFL. And Matt House said that he had come to LSU to learn how to be a linebacker, a complete and total linebacker, not just sort of a one-dimensional player. And then three, you know, LSU really saw this as something that was going, they'd be able to move him around. Stevens would have to locate him. But that's not what ended up happening in the first game. He just sort of sat in the middle of the field. Sometimes he came off the edge, but a few times he spied Jordan Travis, but it didn't work. He was mostly dropping into pass coverage away from the football and looked kind of lost doing so. Didn't have an effect on that game. And a week later, last week against Grambling, we saw him more as kind of like a nickel Sam linebacker who's often in the slot, or he would come down as a stand-up edge rusher. Uh, did that a lot more often than he had against Florida State. I counted, I think, like maybe 14 times he was kind of lined up on the edge. Um, and, of course, it was Grambling. So not the same kind of opponent that he's now going to have even this week against Mississippi State and all the way through the rest of the SEC schedule. But it was a, mar- uh, a very distinct change in his role. Brian Kelly called it a new position. And so after one week of uh, this playing inside linebacker really didn't work, uh, that's where they have him now, and we'll see if it leads to more of an impact on the game. So, Wilson, I'm asking you to speculate here as opposed to report, but do you think when they went back and watched the film against Florida State, somebody raised their hand and said, you know what, guys, that was the stupidest idea we've ever had. We had the most dynamic defensive playmaker in college football, and we just chose to hide him instead of using him. 
Well, Brian Kelly got to those sort of the uh, strength of those words, but basically said something <laughs> to that to to that effect. In that, like they had to, they really evaluated it and realized that they needed to make a change, and they they did that obviously very quickly, uh, seeing that you know this was something that it really didn't work for them defensively. It wasn't great for Harold, and so they put him back, like like we said, out there on sort of on the outside and. Think that they'll think this is going to be much more effective, um, and we we will see if it is. We know that Harold is an extremely talented player. He's fast. He is quite athletic, but he's explosive too, and certainly um, in in space. Um, but what he was doing made him just kind of hesitate in that first game, and he looked slow to react, and um, had a lot of trouble when offensive linemen were getting their hands on him and on the box. Um, and so this is, might take him out of some of that and be a little bit more naturally suited to his uh, skill set. But it's, it's certainly bizarre that like they did this for eight months in the offseason, and first game obviously didn't work. Maybe they, and they hadn't seen that this wasn't going to work. It didn't, and then they had to change it. So it, it did not work for the first game. But over the course of the season, maybe it'll work out okay. Wilson, you know, I thought Mississippi State was going to be the team working running back by committee this year, but but it looks like LSU is going to be that team. And now John Emery returns uh, from from missing the first couple of games. You know, what kind of contribution can he make for the Tigers? And is he is that a guy you think can ever live up to his his five star recruiting billing? In terms of live up to the five star recruit, probably not. You know, he's a fifth year senior at this point who just has not put it all together and had you know, even close to a 1,000-yard season, which is kind of what you would have expected as a five-star was to come in, be that kind of instant impact player, be explosive, game in and game out. And, I mean, he was one of the, if not the top, one of the top running backs in the country in his class, and it just hasn't panned out that way for a variety of reasons. So he's going to have a role in this room, though, because he is, you know, at moments extremely explosive. We saw him two plays in particular last year. He had a great uh, catch in uh, – uh, receiving touchdown against Alabama. He, there was another run against Auburn where he shut up center in the backfield and then scored. And so, you know, he'll be a piece of this. Brian Kelly called him a plug-and-play guy, even though he didn't play the first two weeks. Um, but it's not going to be, I think, RB1 necessarily. Um, LSU, if they have an RB1 right now, it looks like Logan Diggs. The Notre Dame transfer had 115 yards against Grambling. Just looked physical and shifty. They really benefited from having him in the backfield. And now he's got to go and do it against a, a, a certainly a much better opponent. But he has done. He has more of a track record. Went rushed for over 800, 800 yards last year, and so he'll probably be the leader of the room. Um, but Emory will get touches. Josh Williams will get touches. Noah Kane will get touches, and maybe even freshman Caleb Jackson could get some playing time as well because he looks like he has a lot of upside as he continues to develop. Visiting with Wilson Alexander from the Advocate covers LSU there in uh, in Baton Rouge. So, so Wilson, there was some level of concern with the defensive backfield coming into the, the season, that, that maybe there was not a ton of depth there, that generally speaking people like the first group, but if there was an injury or, or whatever, then it, it might not be great. Florida State certainly exploited the back end of the defense. Was that a function of problems that LSU has, either personnel or depth-wise, or was that a function of Jordan Travis and Keon Coleman and uh, the the guy that had the long white sleeves on that was tall, I can't remember his name right off the top of my head, that, that those three were just elite. It's both. Florida State is probably the best receiving core that LSU is going to play this year. 
George, uh, Keon Coleman was fantastic. Johnny Wilson, who I think your name you were trying to remember, yes. was, was very, very good as well. I mean, he's 6'7", and he had a few drops in that game, but he is an imposing target. And so even though there was times that LSU had pretty decent coverage, uh, particularly on one of Keon Coleman's touchdowns, Major Burns was right on him and even got a hand up in there to try to just knock the ball loose, and Keon came down with it anyway. Um, that was just a, a matchup nightmare for LSU. And uh, But they also have their own issues in the secondary. This is not an elite group that you're used to seeing from LSU back there right now. And, you know, this was the main concern on this team throughout you know, going into fall camp and throughout fall camp and even still at this point is when they do face receiving cores that are very, very talented, are they going to be able uh, to make some, enough plays? Brian Kelly said that, you know, he knew this was going to be a concern. Uh, they are in their kind of still a work in progress. They've got a lot of young guys back there or guys who haven't played a lot of FBS football or even SEC football. And so, you know, you're looking at Denver Harris right now, who's a Texas A&M transfer who only played in his sixth career game uh, last week, and there's a lot of hype around Denver as a former five-star, but he doesn't have a lot of experience. He's also been traditionally a press corner, and LSU does more than just playing press man. He's got to learn how to play in zone and be a bigger a piece of a total defense. And so they've got, you know, they're an ex- it's exploitable in the, there in the secondary, um, but you also do, like Florida State had, need to have the guys to be able to do so. Uh, and we'll start to get a better idea as we go through the season um, if it is something that LSU can get by with and still win games, um, because it is, a, it is a weakness, uh, regardless of who they're playing, but they might not face the same kind of receiving core that they did like the, uh, against Florida State. Just a couple of minutes left, Wilson. If you look back at last year's game, as much as LSU can be in desperation, must-win mode, I felt like they were against Mississippi State last year. You didn't know that that team was going to go on and win the West. It's same kind of situation this year. They've lost a game to Florida State. They're 1-1. One and one. Does this team have a little bit more confidence in its ability to, to come out of that hole and get back on track for this season than they did a year ago? It does. They, this is a team that, like you said, won the West last year, and that sort of helps to kind of change their outlook on what this season could be. And they still feel like, Logan Dick said this postgame on Saturday, that as they go into the SEC schedule, if they play well, then they can prove to everyone that they are the team a lot of people thought they were going into the year, Some, a team that can win double-digit games and, um, in their minds, at least, even can compete for a spot in the college football playoff. Are they that team? They got to go and prove it as they are. There's still certainly a lot of question marks. They're still up in the air, but they feel still like a very confident bunch, and they are a talented bunch. But they've got to be able to get better, especially on the defensive side of the ball. Brian Kelly feels ultimately like this is a team that, as long as it plays with energy, can be very talented and kind of reach that ceiling for itself but it's got to be able to go out and do that, and it did not in the second half against Florida State. Wilson, great stuff as always. You're always kind with your time to uh, come on and, and visit with us on the show. Hope you have safe travels this weekend, and uh, look forward to visiting with you soon. Thanks for having me, y'all. Have a good one. Wilson Alexander from The Advocate covers the LSU Tigers there in Baton Rouge. So uh, a lot to unpack from that. Some of the things that, that we've talked about are – some of the th- same things that LSU fans are talking about. Um, I don't think there are any LSU fans that are conceding anything quite yet either. So, we'll, no. Uh, no. Not, not just quite yet. Sports Talk Mississippi, no. more coming up after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio.
Mississippi. On Super Talk Mississippi. Back with you on Sports Talk Mississippi, streaming at supertalk.fm and Supertalk TV. Whichever side you fall on the um, the Jay Norvell, Colorado State, Deion Sanders, Colorado thing, the um, the, the interwebs reaction <laughs> is it's pretty good. If you want to take, it's out there. You can uh, you you can can read those a plenty, a plenty, man. I get why they're doubling up game day, big noon kickoff, doing that again. If that's the game of the weekend, this weekend's going to suck. That really well, is the is game it, it, of the weekend. Not going to be a good one. Yeah, but but hold on a second. We know that ESPN's college game day, which is original mission was, we're taking you to the best game of the week. We know that has changed. Yeah. Sometimes the best game of the week is being broadcast on another network, and so they don't go. Sometimes there is a story that is so good that they will choose not to go to the game of the week to go to cover the story that is so good. And the fact of the matter is, on a weekend that has a pretty bad slate of games, sorry, hey, Dad, I I know all weeks are good, all games are good, I get it, but there's not a single game this week that pits two top 25 teams against each other. Not one. And so ESPN grabbing the low-hanging fruit of, let's go jump on the Colorado bandwagon and the Dion bandwagon for a game that they have on their network. Which, by the way, what a fun way to end Saturday. I mean, whether or not you think the game's going to be good, you get the Colorado thing with the packed house and craziness to end the college football Saturday. It ain't all bad. You know what's funny about the whole there's no ranked teams playing each other? That's not an accident either. Like, there's not a game where you're like, man, if so-and-so had just won, this would be a top 25 matchup. There are there, There's nothing like that. It, I mean, is the closest thing to rank versus rank this week Mississippi State and LSU with Mississippi State in, like, seventh place in the others receiving votes category? Either that or Washington-Michigan State. Scandal aside, that is a Power 5 team with two wins. Maybe somebody up there would have been giving them votes, too. Let's see. And it's it's an interesting intersectional matchup between two teams that will soon be conference rivals. There's some there's some, there's some storylines there. But, yeah, uh, if College Game Day is playing the we got to go to the best game of the weekend, they'd be in Starkville, which they is would. just kind of funny. SEC Nation is here instead. Michigan State is not receiving a single vote in the AP poll. It's still interesting, though. Michigan State traveling to Washington is yeah, but, interesting. But in Michael Penix is a great quarterback. Y- yes, I, I'm not disagreeing with that. I'm saying in, in in trying to figure out what I was saying a second ago, the closest thing to having two ranked teams playing each other this weekend. It's sure not Georgia and South Carolina. South Carolina is not getting any votes. I feel like the odds makers are telling us something about Maybe. Tennessee, Florida, though. Maybe North Carolina and Minnesota? Maybe. Oh, that that one could be fun. 
I think, again, I could be wrong because I've been wrong before. I'll be wrong again. We are not in the being correct business. That's why they build the casinos. Those people are in the being correct business. But I feel like they're telling us something with Florida, Tennessee. They're, they're not buying into Tennessee in terms of they're, power rankings. They're not buying Tennessee at all. And, you know, going on the road is still tough. And Milton's been inconsistent. Six points is really small. It is. Especially for a team that, that got kind of punked in week one at Utah. Yeah. Now, Utah's a really good football team. But, yeah, I mean, that's a that's, – what? Is, where is that? Is that game – night game on ESPN? Yeah, 6 o'clock on ESPN. Tennessee's a six-point favorite at Florida. So what? That means if it's a neutral field game, it's probably an eight-and-a-half, nine-point line, something along those lines? Tom. And and part of the reason that nobody's high on Tennessee is because Joe Milton hasn't delivered in the first two games. He's just been just been very okay. It's been okay. Is everybody just are... vanilla these first few games? What's going on? Maybe. I mean, he's thrown for 429 yards and four touchdowns through two games. But that's against Virginia and Austin P. It has not been consistent. Mm-mm. That Austin P game was weird. Ugly. Did you ever get to the bottom of what Tennessee was so mad about on the officiating? I wasn't aware I was doing that investigation, but uh, well, I'm sure figured, I'm sure it would. They were homework, mad about hey, poor officiating, like everybody else always is. I mean, I know you and Wes talk on the phone two or three times a week. I just figured you guys had discussed it. Joe Milton. Is, I mean, look, his numbers are fine. He's completing sixty-seven percent of his passes. I do have Wes's number. I have his number. He's averaging 215 yards a game through the air, four touchdowns, no interceptions. He's been sacked twice. It's fine. He's got positive rush yardage for the year with three touchdowns on the ground. I think we just expect so much because of the physical tools. I mean, good grief, we made our preseason predictions and I picked the guy to win the Heisman Trophy. Who's the moron here? I'll raise my hand. A lot of football to go, but we'll see. Sports Talk Mississippi, college football fix coming up next. If it's sports in Mississippi, you'll hear about it here. Here, Sports Talk Mississippi. You like this show, huh? Yeah! Super Talk Mississippi. Five o'clock hour with you on this Thursday afternoon. Kind of feeling like a college football weekend. Yeah. I, I thought you had more than just yeah. Oh, I was just you, you, it, yeah. I was, yeah, yeah. It is. I was I was like hyping you up. You know, being here to just support your thoughts. You know. I got you. I got you. you. You just like lit up, and like I thought there was more coming no, from you right I, I, there. Is it, it's Thursday. We've got football tonight. Now the college slate leaves a little bit to be desired. Navy Memphis, mm-hmm. if it's your thing, but I'm more looking forward to uh, Eagles Vikings. 
and then high school tomorrow, and then boom, here we are. I mean, it's it Thursday at this time on Thursday. You don't say welcome to the weekend because it's not the weekend because we all have work days tomorrow. It does feel like the weekend in the fall starts on Thursday night, though. We were getting kids ready for school this morning, and Abe Montgomery goes, feels like a Friday today. <laughs> it's like, kind of agreed with you. That's kind of agreed like with her. It does, yeah. it does. Hey, Dad, have you kind of started to feel that things are picking up in Starkville, a little bit of extra buzz in town with the SEC home opener? Not yet. Not yet. I went out for lunch today. I mean, there are people at lunch, but it, not 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 yet. But it'll start picking up, uh, I would imagine, very quickly tomorrow. Yeah, yeah, certainly so. Uh, and as we talked about earlier today, expecting big crowds in both Starkville and in Oxford for the home games this weekend. Sports Talk Mississippi comes to you every day from the Pearl River Resort studio. You can visit them online at Pearl River Resort. To keep up with everything that is happening, click on events, and you can see the entertainment that is uh, coming up ahead. You go to the amenities tab, and you can see uh, all about the cool things, because it's not just gaming and restaurants. You've got the golf course, courses at Dancing Rabbit. You've got the spa facilities. Uh, In season, you've got Geyser Falls Water Park. So much happening at PearlRiverResort.com. Next time you're thinking about a weekend getaway, think about Pearl River Resort. Ceasefire text line is open at 601-879-4395. Ceasefire has introduced Connect and Protect. It's the phone that your kids want with easy-to-use parental controls for you, and it's just $30 a month with auto pay. Learn more at ceasefire.com. Ceasefire customer inspired. Still a little college football fix. College Football Fix is driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. Get behind the wheel of an F-150. The summer sales event is coming to a close, but it hasn't yet. And you can still save big on 2023 F-150s. Alongside Brian Haydad and Michael Borky, I'm Richard Cross. Let's talk. Well, let's get to two things here. Let's start. With odds on the first coach to be fired this season. I'll give you some odds. You tell me where there's value and where if I handed you a $100 bill and said, hey, you have to place a bet on a coach being fired, which one would you pick? Lowest odds? Jimbo Fisher at just 4-1. to one. And this is oh. the first first coach to be fired. Butch Jones at Arkansas State, 5-1. to one. He's gone. Uh, you can guarantee that. It's just whether or not Arkansas State pulls the plug during the season or not. Danny Gonzalez? Where is he? I don't even know who that is. Nor do I. But apparently okay, they think then. he's going to be fired because the odds are 5-1 to one for Danny Gonzalez. Tony Elliott. New Mexico. Danny Gonzalez at New Mexico. Okay. Sure. He's two and five, three and nine, two and ten. Yeah, yeah he's probably getting fired. Um Tony Elliott at Virginia. Thought they this were kind of making third a year? splash. Is it year three? Twenty no, this is year two. Oof. This is year two. They went three and seven, didn't play their last two games last year, and they're off to an 0 2 start and just yeah, that that's not happening. I mean, I don't know if you saw any of the visuals on this past Saturday when they played their first home game. 
that team's not ready yet to. They they weren't ready to just get back to football. They they need more time. Next on the list is Neil Brown, at six to mm-hmm. one. He's been at West Virginia since 2019. Five and seven his first year. Six and four in the COVID year. Six and seven. Five and seven last season. And what one and one this year? Lost the opener to Penn State and then beat like Duquesne or somebody like that last week. I think. Tom Allen at Indiana at seven to one. Some value there. Um. This is Jeff. It's Jeff Halfley, right? Jeff Halfley at Boston College. Yes. Yeah. That's at nine to one. Nearly lost to Holy Cross last week. Would not have been a good win. Uh, Dino Babers at ten to one at Syracuse. I don't see that. I mean, having seen them play last week, that's a bowl team. They played in a bowl game last year. Yeah, some of these that names are enough, a little yeah. a little off. Like, I don't think Justin Wilcox has a team that's going to lead him to get fired, but I guess he is technically on a hot seat. Where, where's Billy Napier? He is not Where on is this he? list. He's not on this list. He's not getting fired. Man, I didn't even... I mean, can I get the field? Can I, can I get some odds on that? I mean, but him being I put first, some money on that. first, though, is what this is. First. Ah, uh, first. Ah, uh, first, yeah. With Jimbo, I want to bet his buyout. Can we bet the buyout at four to one? Because so, we'll be rich. And, and that's the thing here, right? Is look, Texas A&M already got beat by Miami, kind of embarrassed. In two weeks, they play Auburn. Better not lose to that one. But they, the result of that one really won't matter. You've got Arkansas and Dallas, Alabama, and you're in Knoxville. There's a chance that he loses two of those games, and that's being nice. So going into the bye week with three losses, does he coach after the bye week? Yes. And a lot of people would say no, but $77 million. $77 million is what he would get paid at any point when he gets fired. I mean, if it's after the bye week, it doesn't matter. After the season, $77 million. I don't think it's the way Jimbo's wired, but there's part of me that would want to be fired. Like if you yeah. get rid of me, like I did not get arrested, I did not do anything to embarrass the university. You just decided I didn't win enough, and you're going to hand me a check for seventy-seven million dollars, and, and you're going to come to me, or you're going to come to my agent, and you're going to say, "Hey, can we negotiate something?" No, no, we can't. We negotiated something already. It was called the contract, and it says every penny that I'm owed. Is paid to me if you get rid of me soon. So, no, there's nothing to negotiate. You're welcome to fire me. There's an interesting name on this list at Dana Holgerson at 12 to 1. Houston, first year in the Big 12, and a somewhat eccentric and high expectation billionaire lead booster in Tillman Fertitta. Might be one to watch. Eli Drinkwitz at Missouri, Ryan Silverfield at Memphis, both on the list as well. And I don't think either of those are on the first to get fired radar because I mean Memphis is two and zero, and they probably are going to be three and zero after tonight against Navy. And I don't know. I just don't see. I mean, 
Missouri gave him a new contract in the offseason. They're not going to be the first to fire a coach. Probably not the first, but man, uh, think about this. But circle back to Mississippi always. If Zach Arnett were to go five and five, six and seven, and six and seven, and after that third six and seven, Zach Selman were to give him an extension, so additional years on his contract, and an almost $2 million raise. Would Zach Selman work another day at Mississippi State? I would hope not. That's what Missouri did. I would have some words. They were yeah. two, two games below five hundred after year three, and they gave him a $2 million raise. A raise for that. And guess what? They're going to get smoked this weekend. There's a real chance that they're fighting Vanderbilt for the worst team in the SEC. Loser of that game will finish 14th in the league. That's where this is trending. And and I've been pretty impressed with Desiree Reed Francois. She's the uh, athletics director at Missouri. Made a really good hire in basketball and got immediate results. I mean, she she's the one that I guess in conjunction with the president and the board of trustees, they decided to go through with the uh, the raise and the extension. So uh, we'll see. And Missouri's done some good things in recruiting, but the good things in recruiting have not yet translated to wins on the field. Sports Talk Mississippi, that's your college football fix, driven by Ford and your local Mississippi Ford dealers. We'll look at some quarterback ratings for college quarterbacks through two games when we come back. Sports, uh, we're back after this in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Communication system is a go. go. This, this is Sports Talk Mississippi, right here on Super Talk Mississippi. Exactly. Fire text line. Somebody, a couple of you saying, what about Mel Tucker? Well, that's such an obvious one that uh, Vegas is not going to give you good odds on that. No. I mean, I guess there might be a book somewhere that is taking odds on that, but, like, I don't know, you're paying, what, minus 5000 at this point or something? Bet five thousand to win a hundred. I don't yeah. know. Um, hey, Dad, Michael Borky is sure to roll his eyes at this, and I promise, I promise, Borky, I, I understand that it's Thursday of a game week, and we're in week three of the college football season. Oh no! What are you doing? We need, we need to mention this. Came out yesterday. No, I know where we're going. We we got the um, we got the SEC baseball. Oh schedule. come on! It's September 14th. We've got quarterback ratings. It's, uh, I, it's September 14th. And we're going to spend time talking about baseball schedules? Just a small amount. Just I a small did a, amount. 
I did an interview on the uh, the Hunt Palmer show on ESPN 104.5 in Baton Rouge today. Did the whole interview, and he's like, one last question uh, before you go. This is my show, so I can ask it. What do you think is going to happen with Lamonis this spring? I was like, really? We're going to do this? All right. Uh, you people are nuts. All you see, of you. I, we could be almost done already. We, we almost yeah, right. could be done already. All right. Uh, week one, <laughs> which is March 15th through 17th, LSU at Mississippi State to open league play. South Carolina at Ole Miss. So both teams at home week one. State hasn't week. beaten LSU for a series in Starkville, I think, since 2003. Uh, week two, Ole Miss at Tennessee, Mississippi State at Texas A&M. Great. Back-to-back weeks on the road for Mississippi State. In week three, they go to Florida. Ole Miss hosts Kentucky. It's not, not exactly easing into league play there for the, uh, well, the Bulldogs. Yeah, can't wait for that Kentucky series. Oh, and nine. Count down the days. Let, let me put it in my calendar real quick. Week four, Ole Miss at Arkansas, Georgia at Mississippi State. Week five, uh, State at Ole Miss. That's uh, April 12th, 13th. Finally, 14th. a series State can win. Jeez. Uh, week six in the league, Ole Miss is at Georgia. Auburn is at Mississippi State. We That's Super Bulldog weekend, by the way. They just announced that today. Okay, week uh, week seven, Mississippi State is at Vanderbilt. Alabama is at Ole Miss. Week, uh, whatever. I don't know what week we're on. Alabama at Mississippi State, Ole Miss at Auburn. That's May the first weekend in May. Second weekend in May, State is at Arkansas. Texas A&M is at Ole Miss. And then the last weekend of the regular season, Ole Miss goes to Baton Rouge to take on LSU. And Mississippi State hosts Missouri. State has a terrible home schedule in terms of marquee matchups. And then their road schedule is absolutely brutal. State goes to A&M, to Florida, to Ole Miss, to To Vanderbilt, Vanderbilt. and to Arkansas. Okay. All right. Good luck, Chris. Good luck, buddy. That's it. Just wanted to mention it. Borky wants to talk quarterback ratings now. Yeah, because the, it's football season. What is the formula used to determine quarterback ratings? Uh, well, it's pro football focus, so it's done by uh, Chris Collinsworth. Now, here's a guy. Hey, hey, Dad, remember we saw Chris the guy Collinsworth from the bar? in Nashville? Yeah. That guy at the bar? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Who was decidedly not that guy? No. And- you found out later? Yeah, because I I, I, I wish I could I tell like, you what Borky said when he came back to the table. I wish I could tell you. I cannot because the FCC would rule on that. But uh, it wasn't him. No, it uh, it was not. But uh, so they they released their top six, the highest graded. Now it's it's graded. So they 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 chart every player in every game and they assign grades. It, it, it's not opponent based. It's based on. You know, did they throw an accurate pass? Did they read the play correctly? Stuff like that. It's it's not just this quarterback threw for 500 yards against this team. It's it's more in depth and intricate than that. Their least, scale is zero to 100, right? Uh, I believe so. Yes, and they uh, but still like 70 is good. Like that's a fine day. 80s really good. 90s mm-hmm. are like these guys are elite. At least how they played against these uh, the two games so far. All right. So the top ranked quarterback by Pro Football Focus through two weeks, J.J. McCarthy at 94.4. Talking about Michigan's starting quarterback. 
Now, you're welcome to look at Michigan's schedule and see what they've done so far, but Borky explained just a second ago, it's not just who you played, it's did you do all the right things. But yes, easier opponents sometimes lend the, it themselves to better it's, it's easier to be successful against better teams. Uh, number two, K.J. Jefferson. Second highest rated quarterback in the country through the first two weeks of the season. His grade was 93.6. Caleb Williams... And, and this is where you look at it and you're like, hold on a second. Now, how do you figure this out? Because the guy's thrown for 870-something yards with 12 touchdowns and no interceptions. He has played an extra game. Through three games for him, his QBR is 91.7. So that, that's not QBR. That is the, their ratings. QBR is a, a math number, different things. A math number, you say? Yeah, a math number. It's As opposed a, to a algorithm or a formula. Number. Yeah. But, but, yes, they, but, they but, but the they acronym with... that I was using was his quarterback rating, which right, would be but, QBR. But that can be confusing because QBR is accumulated by numbers. This is a rating assigned by not math, Ada. Pro not football math. focus rating for the number four quarterback in the country through two games. Shadur Sanders at 93.1, of course, for Colorado. That's in wins over TCU and Nebraska. And number five on the list, one-tenth of a point ahead of number six, Jackson Dart at 90.9. Yeah, but at what point uh, do you take Jackson out to to create a spark with Spencer Sanders? Um, no, I'm kidding, but... That, that inspired me, though, to, to ask this question. How would you guys, putting the pro football focus thing aside, after two weeks, understanding who the opponents were, uh, how would you rate what you've seen so far from Will Rogers and that of Jackson Dart? Uh, the pro football focus guys seem to think Dart has been exceptional so far, and it's hard to disagree with that. But what, what would you say these two guys have been like so far? I mean, I... I'll use a different grading system. Well, I'll just go with a letter graded system. Jackson Dart falls somewhere between an A and an A plus through two games. He was basically flawless really against up against Mercer, and he was just gritty against Tulane. The numbers don't like blow blow you away just when you look at the stats from that game. But he was really, really good in some pressure situations. Lost his top receiver after the opening drive of the game. Has come up with some runs. They haven't used him a ton in the running game so far. Has not forced the ball into bad situations. He's got haven't used anybody a ton. Oh, yeah, yeah. true. In the, in the interception, uh, despite what is going on in, in our, our YouTube comments on, on Super Talk, um, his interception was because Wade slipped out of his break. The ball would have been perfectly thrown. The game moves too fast for quarterbacks to wait and look for a receiver to be open and then throw it after they're open. you got to kind of time things up. The timing was perfect. Dude slipped. So even the, the, the blemish was a receiver slipping on a cut and not a, a mistake. It was not a mistake. It was an accurately thrown the, ball. Yeah, that's part of the beauty of a pro football focus also. They take things like that into account. Yeah. Because it's right. people watching. It's not just an algorithm. Which also falls into the math category. Hey, Dad. It's a math number. It's kind of like bat pip, and you know, it's like batting average on balls in play. It's it's like 
they, they take into account stuff. What what is it like receiver assisted interceptions and stuff like that and and I mean, they they take that stuff into account. You put the ball in the money and it goes through his hands and a safety picks it off behind him. That's still a positive play yeah. for the quarterback. Or the receiver deflects the ball into the air. That's that's a that doesn't count against the quarterback in their analytics. Which probably would lead to a better quarterback rating, PFF rating, <laughs> whatever, for Jaden Delara in the game against Mississippi State than. Mm-hmm. I mean, you, you would probably look at his rating from that game and be like, he threw five interceptions. Like, yeah, but, or four interceptions, I guess it was. So what about Will Rogers? Hey, Dan. B minus to C plus at best, and I feel like I might be being generous with that. I mean, he did complete 76% of his passes. He threw three touchdowns, but he's being held back here. It's like They've got him in the wrong class, in my opinion. He's been the accelerated class, and he's not. He can handle the accelerated class. He can handle it. He, he has he has seen enough that, that he should be able to handle that. Let's look at the numbers for the uh, quarterbacks in the SEC when we come back. Sports Talk Mississippi with you in the Pearl River Resort Studio. Okay, what we do next? Keep it moving, buddy. You can be a part of Sports Talk Mississippi. 888-808-8637 on Super Talk Mississippi. And I, uh, I threw a true or false at Borky during the break. See what you think. Caden Davis's 56-yard made field goal for Ole Miss against Tulane will be the longest made field goal in the SEC this year. True or false? 56? Mm-hmm. Without knowing how long the longest one last year, I mean, that's a pretty, that's a pretty long field goal. Yeah, I'll say true. Sure. Uh, Borky said true also. Uh, The second longest make this year in the SEC is Will Reichard at Alabama had a 51-yarder. So, um, Sports Talk Mississippi with you. Glad to have you along for the ride on this Thursday afternoon. Speaking of rides, if you want to get behind the wheel of an F-150, if you're ready for that to be your new ride, let me tell you about my friends at Belk Ford in Oxford. They will take care of you. Family-owned company that has been in business as a Ford dealership since um, the early 1960s. They're located on Highway 6 West. Right now you can save up to $9,000 on the purchase of a new Ford F-150, certain models, and, of course, credit uh, uh, approval is required. Uh, but that's big-time savings on the best-selling truck in America for 44 straight years. They've got a good selection of F-150s on the lot. I drive by on the way to work every single day, and I see the ones that they've got out there, and a bunch for you to choose from. It's not just F-150s. They've got Explorers on the lot. Uh, they've got uh, Expeditions. If you're looking for a Bronco, they can help you out with that as well, plus a great selection of used cars. Uh, so whether it's a used truck or a new truck, Headed into into hunting season, yeah, dove season already going. October first, 
bow season begins, need a new truck for uh, for that or for anything else, uh, they can uh, can help you out. I, I spent a lot of time on the road a couple of weeks ago in that Oxford to Birmingham to Nashville and then back to Oxford in my F-150, and it just rides like a dream. Uh, just a great riding vehicle. You can get yours at Belk Ford. Maybe you're coming into town this weekend for the Ole Miss Georgia Tech game. Stop by and see them on Highway 6 West, BelkFord.net, or stop by and tell them you heard about Belk Ford on Sports Talk Mississippi. So we said we looked at some Sorry. Unless I missed it, unless I'm I'm mis- looking at it wrong, Harrison Mevis had the longest field goal in the SEC last year at 56 yards. He was the big kicker from uh, Missouri, right? Mizzou, yeah. Yep. There you go. So, some of the, we were talking quarterbacks in the SEC. So, looking at some of the the numbers, Spencer Rattler is leading in yards per game. This team has a loss, but yards per game, 349. Jaden Daniels is second at 307. Jackson Dart fourth at 300. Um, Will Rogers is not in the top 10 in terms of yards per game at this point. That certainly could, could change quickly. Pass efficiency, this, this coincides with the numbers that Borky gave us from Pro Football Focus a second ago. Jackson Dart leads the SEC in pass efficiency. K.J. Jefferson is second. Spencer Rattler is actually third on that list, yet Will Rogers currently at sixth, 33 of 46 on the year, 389 yards, five touchdowns. And some of the criticism of Dart a year ago was, oh, he can't throw the deep ball. And statistically, that wasn't exactly true. He's just 19-year-old Jackson Dart wasn't 22-year-old Matt Corral. Uh, But... That is something that he's clearly gotten better at. So when you're talking about grades so far for the season, he hadn't been tested yet. Like We'll know a heck of a lot more about Will Rogers this time next week than we will Dart even, just because of competition level. We'll get to see Will Rogers against LSU and if they open him up a little bit more and if they do, what that looks like. But I said, I guess it was Monday, and I stand by it, his floor has elevated. He has elevated his floor. The comfort in which he throws passes 20, 30 yards down the field, uh, the, the back shoulder stuff in the Mercer game, a couple of deep balls he threw uh, against Tulane were on time, accurate, with the correct pace. Uh, his touch appears to have gotten a little better. We'll see what happens when they play Alabama in two weeks, when we'll get a real gauge. But even against the bad teams last year, he struggled with those kind of things. He's absolutely elevated his floor. What his ceiling is, we'll have to wait another uh, another week and a half to find out. And, and hey, Dad, this th- these next two categories really go into a lot of what we've been talking about this week with Mississippi State's offense. Yards per completion and yards per attempt. So Jackson Dart leads the SEC at 17.17 yards per completion. Means he's throwing the ball down the field. Um, Will Rogers is not currently in the top 10 in yards per completion. Yards per attempt, 12.02. Again, Jackson Dart at the top of the list. You do have Rogers in the top 10. He's averaging 8.46 yards per e- attempt so far this season. So, what's What might bother you about those numbers is they're an improvement. They are an improvement over last year. You know, he averaged less than 10 yards per completion last year. He averaged 
like closer to seven yards, I think, or per attempt last year. Mm-hmm. You know, it was so much short passing last year. So in his first two games, he's been closer to like 11 yards. What, what would you say the number was again for yards per completion for Will? He, he's not in the top 10 on yards per completion. The cutoff is number 10. So you, you Brady Cook from Missouri at 12.13. Okay. He's, I think he's around 11.5, 11.6, something like that. I mean, that's an improvement. That means you're getting, you're moving the chains every time when you have a first, uh, a pass, a complete pass. That's good, but you got to get. I think you got to have more of those, though. Just gonna see if I could pull up. It may take me a, a second to uh, to get there. See if we can give you the exact number on the yards per attempt with uh, or per completion. Um, completion percentage really good for both quarterbacks here. Will Rogers at seventy one point seven four. Jackson Dart at 70. Spencer Rattler leads the SEC. He is 55 of 66. That's 83%. He's been exceptional. And even Furman got to him. When he's upright. Yeah, y'all pour one out for... When you hit your tailgate, State fans, at 7 o'clock on Saturday morning, like you told us yesterday, pour a little bit out for Spencer Rattler. Be, Be thinking about him on Saturday because... The offensive line that couldn't keep Furman off of their quarterback will be playing Georgia on Saturday. And there's a, a young man named Spencer, remember, say his name when you're pouring it out, that will have to face that on Saturday. It's going to be a bloodbath, an absolute bloodbath. He's going to be running for his life for four quarters. 11.78, that's the uh, yards yeah. per completion. For, uh, for Will Rogers. Go figure, getting there with the calculator and not having to find it in a 32-page uh, PDF. <laughs> it's it's, it's did, fairly easy good. math. Yeah. yeah. George at West Point and says, really don't understand why MSU fans have a problem with Will Rogers. He could very easily have transferred and played somewhere else, but he didn't. Maybe he should have. Think about that, MSU fans. That's George and West Point. Okay. That's an opinion. I mean, that's an opinion, yeah. But what I have I have rarely seen a state fan criticize his play. I mean, some have, and their concerns are justified. Oh, they have, yeah. But it's more about let's see what he's got. Well, let's see what he's got. You spend all offseason talking about how great the wide receivers are, and again. We could see that Saturday. We had a texture point out correctly, by the way. What Appalachian State did to Texas A&M was abnormal for them a year ago. They slowed every... They were so slow and just played keep away from the Aggies. That's not how they conducted offense. But they did it that Saturday because that was the way to beat Texas A&M, and they did so successfully. Shout out Jimbo Fisher. So there's a chance this Saturday they do finally unleash that group of receivers that was billed to be as good as everybody said that they were. We just haven't seen it yet. That's more, I think, of what the criticism is. It's not, well, Rogers sucks. It's, let him let it fly. Let's see what he's got. Yeah, I'm on more message boards than you are for Mississippi That's State. That's true. There's a lot of, there's a lot of Rogers sucks. Well, there, there's dart sucks on Ole Miss message boards, so that's probably not the best. Yeah. Hopefully, that's not the best gauge of, of, yeah. of the actual Real quick, people. Real a season ago, the numbers are 6.5 per attempt for Rodgers and 9.6 per completion. 
So attempts up about two and a half yards and completions up a little over two yards as well. About two yards. I mean, that's good. That's good. Sports Talk Mississippi is brought to you in part by Visit Oxford. You can find them online at visitoxfordms.com. If you go there and you click on the events page, you can see all of the activities that are happening on a busy football weekend, including the double-decker bus tours, $10 per person. It's a one-hour tour around the Ole Miss campus and the historic downtown square. The first tour leaves at 2.30. The second will leave at 3.30 and so on. And then uh, we had something that they're doing this fall with um, – some local restaurants called Football Sleepy Supper. You can get your tickets online at visitoxfordms.com. This week's Sleepy Supper is at the Sleepy Cactus. Buy your tickets in advance. Sports Talk Mississippi. We'll take a quick timeout. We're back with you after this. Can you feel it? Can you hear it? Sports Talk Mississippi. On Super Talk, Mississippi. Tomorrow, it's another football Friday. Will East will join us in studio. We'll talk high school football with him as we get ready for week four of the high school season in the Magnolia State. We'll also have a food Friday. Yes, yes, please. Yes, please. Uh, Bruce Marshall will join us. We'll get his picks. Somebody said they didn't like Bruce's picks last week, so uh, I obviously was not with you guys for that, so you can fact-check him on that. You remember? You want, you want to know what was funny about Bruce's picks last week? I, I asked him about the fishy line in the Baylor-Utah game, right? Mm-hmm. I was like, is this line fishy? And he was like, yeah, I think it is. And then proceeded to tell me why he thought it was fishy because he thought Baylor was going to cover. And I'm just listening to him, and Borky's listening to him, and we're just like, after the segment, I was like, that is not how I thought that discussion was going to go. I thought he was going to say, yeah, it's fishy. Utah should be a two-touchdown favorite. What happened? Baylor covered. Man, no stuff. That's the thing, though, when you look at some of those lines and you're like, eh. I mean, like, you look at Tennessee-Florida this week. Where you got Tennessee as a six-point favorite, and we said you're like, you're gonna lay the six with Tennessee, or you're gonna take them at home. I, I don't know. I think there are a couple of those this no. week worth taking a uh, look at. NFL football tonight. <coughs> it's on Amazon, so you gotta stream it. Stream it on Prime. Minnesota at Philly. You think that crowd will be jacked tonight? 1-0 Philadelphia so, yeah. Eagles hosting the Vikings. Um, 65% chance for Philly to win that game. The right. Eagles are a six-point favorite, and the total is 49. What do you like tonight there? Eagles. They're just, they're just a more talented team. I need AJ to have a big game. Let's go, A.J. Brown. I've always believed in you. It's not a 1 o'clock Eastern kickoff, so Cousins might uh, might struggle. But we, we've got huh. we've got this thing that, that always happens. Uh, good teams starting out 2-0. I think Minnesota is good. Not great, but good. Probably going to start 2-0 tonight. Uh, and the, the Bengals host the Ravens. Supposed wait, wait, to be a good hold on, team. Hold on, hold on a second. Back up. Say that again. I think you said that wrong. Minnesota lost. 
That's what I'm saying. They can start 0 and 2. I think they're good, not great, but they can start oh, the season 0 and 2. You said 2 and 0. Did I? I asked yeah, 0 yeah, and 2. I'm sorry. That's, that's, that's why it confused me. Okay. Um, Cincinnati, same thing. I mean, they're hosting Baltimore. That's supposed to be a good Cincinnati team. They get smoked by Cleveland last week. They're staring down the barrel despite being a home favorite of 0 and 2. One of the Chargers or the Titans is going to start the season 0 and 2. Those are supposed to both be playoff teams uh, going into this. I mean, if the Chiefs lose to Jacksonville, nobody's worried about the Chiefs, but they're on the road. They could start 0-2. The odds of making the playoffs with an 0-2 start are are small, like really small. So you've got, uh, you know, naturally, because this happens every year, but but parity is, is going to set in rather quickly. The Patriots looked good last week, even though they lost. They're staring down the barrel of 0-2. Interesting weekend on Sunday upcoming. If college doesn't deliver, you've got some stuff going on this weekend. Yeah. Uh, college football tonight. You've got Memphis and Navy. Memphis is a 14-and-a-half point favorite in that game tonight. I don't know what you do with that. Memphis is off to a 2-0 start. Actually, that line has come down. It's down to 13 Navy um, Navy got a win. So after losing in the opener to Notre Dame 42-3, to they beat Wagner last week 24 to nothing. Some people call it Wagner. We don't. Uh, so it's game three of the year for Navy. Obviously a different style offense, not as different as it was under Ken Niamatololo, but, but still, still different. And uh, Seth Hennigan off to a pretty good start. He's thrown for just shy of 600 yards through the first two games for uh, for Memphis. And if you got that that $60 ticket, what was it um, before the season started for the Bethune Cookman? Bethune Cookman, yeah, yeah. I mean, so so now it's down to $30 a ticket based on you're getting in this one for free on the same ticket. And uh, if they get a win tonight, you'll you'll get in the Boise game as well for free. So, free-ish. Just, you get what I'm saying. Yeah. So, you watch more college football or NFL tonight? I'll be honest, I won't touch the college games. I'll, I'll, ch- I'll check in on the college games, but I'll, the NFL is probably where I'm going to be. You, you know how to stream, Hayda? Yes. The other college game tonight is Bethune-Cookman. Did you miss the thing earlier where I was like, "These are digital tickets, and don't if you're old-fashioned, don't don't at me." Yeah, I did. Kind of flies in some face of stereotypes. You are far more technologically advanced than I am. Yeah, I love the Oklahoma video last week. I don't know if you saw it, where they were going to be on ESPN Plus, and they they had a video of like, if you can't find our game, ask a young person. That's 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 pretty good. It's, it was uh, pretty funny. Pretty spot on. Uh, so Memphis is a favorite at home against Navy. That one kicks off at six thirty. ACC Network. Miami is a fifty-four point favorite tonight against Bethune Cookman. Thanks for being with us on this Thursday afternoon. Tomorrow it's a football Friday. Hope you'll join us starting at three o'clock. Good night from the Pearl River Resort Studios. Oh, it's incredible! Are you a business owner looking for help with HR benefits and payroll? MWG Employer Services offers a wide range of services and can create a custom plan that fits your needs and budget. I was so overwhelmed with HR stuff, 
NWG Employer Services took all the stress out of it and even set up my payroll. I couldn't be happier. MWG Employer Services is here to help you succeed. Call us today at 601-206-7966 or go to mwgemployerservices.com. A Super Talk Mississippi media production.